wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the first episode of 2016, a year in which the Buffalo Bills remain undefeated. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the president of the Chicago Bills backers, Sujit, is with us. Now that is a Bills win in January, baby. And rounding out the crew, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Happy New Year, all. Big playoff spoiling win for the Bills today to keep the gangrene out after the Steelers win. Find us on Twitter at Bills and Beers. Find us on Facebook at Bills and Beers. Stay in touch with the show. Crew, let's not waste any time and talk about this magical afternoon at Ralph Wilson Stadium. The Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. 22 to 7 was the final score. Fitz Fitz on the last three Jets drives, each ending in an interception. It wasn't, however, all pretty. We're going to talk about everything that was wonderful about this game, but first we're going to talk about everything that was not so wonderful. Cass, we'll start with you. Your Jenny Cremel bummer of today's contest. So I'm, I'm going with this person because, of course, he did nothing in this game like they've done nothing all season. And it'll be our last chance to mention this person's name on the podcast for the rest of the year. Or the rest of the season, and that would be Mario Williams. All right. Thank you, Mario, for your time. Appreciate it. Appre- I loved all your um, your Instagram pictures of all your really big um, weapons, con- construction materials, and yeah, and weapons. So long, buddy. Pack those bags. Get the hell out of town. Thank you. Wow. So he actually did try on like two plays and yeah, got a great sack on one. There was a few effort plays. That's true. But and still. I've been saying all along as it pertains to him. The taking plays off is not what bothers me. What bothers me is when he does turn it on and dominates, and we are reminded that it is, in fact, in him. That's when I get pissed. Suge, coming to you now, your Jenny Cremel bummer of today's contest. I am going to go with... I'm trying to decide which member of the secondary I'm going to go with. And uh, I think because, as you've pointed out, it's been week after week after week. I'm going with Corey Graham. It was a very short, uh, no, you know what? I'm giving it to the, to the two. I'm giving it to Rambo and, and Duke Williams together. Wow, okay. Because I just feel like our safety play, I mean, granted, Corey Graham has been horrible. Uh, Duke Williams, you know, when he's actually been called on to make a play, has not been able to do it. These guys are celebrating when the receiver just flat out drops the ball and they have nothing to do with the play. They, like, stand up and pump out their chest like they did something. And the other thing that really bothered me uh, this whole game, and it's been bothering me for the past couple games, is the angle that the backup man is oh taking for all of these plays. The reason these 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 plays are going for 20, 30 yards is because, yes, the, the primary cover man, maybe he, he messes up and he doesn't make the tackle. But that's the whole point of a safety. The reason it's called a safety is because you are the safety valve that prevents the play from going further. So you sure as hell shouldn't be taking an angle that goes underneath the play. Your job is to make sure that the play doesn't go any further or certainly doesn't get into the end zone. And I feel like they've been miserable at that. Um, and I, I got to think that Donnie Henderson cannot be happy with his safety play. No, and I've been... I've been screaming about it to anybody who will listen since September, since Aaron Williams went down. Our safety play 
you know, the linebackers have been bad. The linebackers have been liability, but holy cow. Number 20 is trailing just about every big play that the opposition has made all year long. Corey Graham. That's how they scored their touchdown. That's how they scored today. That is correct. Corey Graham, I don't know if it was because he's not a real safety and he's a cornerback, but the conversion didn't work. He had a terrible season. I'm going to give him my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week because there are people out there who say he's playing solid, who's, who's actually doing a decent job. Well, that's fine, except when you're a safety and you do a decent job on 85% of plays and then on the other 15%, you're an abject liability, that's not good. That's not he, good he because is, when, when, you're, when you're messing up, like the, the opposition is getting big plays. He has failed on a scoring drive, I think, in every single game in the like the past four or five games. Yeah, and you it's know, a scoring possession. It's not like, oh wow, I missed the tackle and then suddenly got like ten more yards. It's they got in the end zone because you didn't make the take the right angle or you over pursued. I mean, granted, the only thing that I would maybe think with Corey Graham is that he's cleaning up for other people's mistakes, but doesn't matter. It doesn't you're look the that safety. Way. Because you're the safety. A, you got you're what, the the buck stops with you. Yeah, that's right, Suge. And it's plain to our eyes, at least, unless unless in this Rex Ryan scheme, up is down, left is right, everything's topsy-turvy, and nobody knows what's going on. But it's pretty clear, as you mentioned, the angles. Like, these guys, are, like, I don't know what spot they're running to or what they're running away from most of the time. Most, it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. No, it's because they're five yards behind the play because before the ball snap, they're all still looking at each other, doing hand signals, trying to be like, what's going on? And then they turn around. And the ball's already five yards on the field, so they're already out of place. Well, we did win today. Sorry. Still upset about that. I mean, I do want to say one thing, though, is, and that's that, you know, the great defenses, the, the Ravenses of the day, you know, the primary person wouldn't always make the, the tackle. You know, sometimes they did do that thing where they didn't wrap up a player and they just hit him real hard. But the point was is that the other players on that D were close enough that when you slowed down a player, you effectively stopped the player because the yep. rest of your team would tear that person apart. And the reason you hit him like that is because, hey, maybe the ball, you know, gets jarred loose. And you weren't worried about the fact that, hey, if I miss this tackle, this guy's going to go 70 yards for a touchdown. Now, that said, Mario Butler's flying shoulder is the reason, into yeah. Kendrell Hopkins. Oh, my God. Wasn't that Marshall? That end, was Marshall. No, it was Kendrell oh. Tompkins at the yeah. end of the game, wide open down the sideline. And, yeah, it was, it was, the, it was the self-launched projectile and tackle. And he missed. And he missed, but he managed to hit the ball. But he hit out. the ball. But he didn't hit it all the way out. He still could have bobbled and, and, and walked backwards into the end zone. I mean, that was, a, that was, I mean, there's some Steeler fans here that were watching the game with us because obviously, you know, we had major playoff implications for them. But my, I turned around and looked at them, and I swear to God, they all pissed their pants. Well, we're talking, like, we're talking about the second to last play from scrimmage before Fitz threw his third drive-ending interception to close out. What was an awesome run and a, and a very good season. Yeah. season. But I'm sorry. I've been saying this again. To anyone who will listen, Fitz is having a great year. Fitz is doing great. Fitz is putting up some great numbers. Fitz is moving the ball. Fitz is throwing touchdowns. And I keep, I keep nodding my head and saying, yeah, but. but that market has a tendency to normalize. And Fitz had a great season. I love Fitz. I wish Fitz was still on our team. I wish Fitz would have had the opportunity to retire in Buffalo like he wanted to. But there isn't a Buffalo Bills fan out there that is in any bit surprised that he ended this great season 
with three consecutive interceptions. Is there? No. no. Of course not. No. So let's wait, talk whoa, about... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can, okay. we, can we give one honorable mention on the... Uh, Jenny Cremel. Jenny Cremel to Dan Carpenter. Uh, Another not, name we not. will not be saying ever again on this podcast. Well, let's move to the bad blue. And I, we're talking about the secondary, so I'm going to go first. Because I'm giving mine to Leotis McKelvin again. Leotis kick-started the little interception parade. And I've been saying about it. He wants to take a pay cut. He wants to go play safety. This team is better when Leotis McKelvin is on the football field because all he wants to do is make plays. He does some dumb shit every once in a while, but just like Fitzpatrick, those markets normalize, and he comes up with big plays and big time, time and time again, because he lives to make plays. Because players make plays. Players do make plays. Corey Graham dropped the pick six. Oh, there you have it. I forgot Corey, about that. Players do make plays. That's why Corey Graham gets a Labatt Blue from me, and that's why Leotis McKelvin... Reverse that. That's why Corey Graham gets Jenny Cremel for me, and that's why Leotis gets a Labatt Blue. Suge, coming to you. Who's I your have, MVP? I just of the have game? one concern about your Labatt Blue. Oh, oh no, no, it's not the fourth, about no. It's the not about time your, this year I've given not it to about McKelvin. your Labatt Blue. About the idea of Leotis McKelvin playing safety. So it's thought that in Rex Ryan's schemes, the safeties play a huge portion of communication. <laughs> Can't nobody understand Leotis McKelvin? Yeah. Okay, so that's it. one problem. The other one is that you're relying on safeties to make intelligent plays. Leotis might make spectacularly athletic plays from time to time, but I haven't seen that man do a single intelligent thing since he's been in Buffalo. Not Swade, sign so, me up. All right, fine. For my, uh, you know, I think I'm going to, I changed. I, changed. I was going to say Manny Lawson, but I'm giving it to Mike Gillsley. Yeah. You know, this poor son that of a bitch, if he stays in the Buffalo uniform, God bless him. If he's able to get out of bed tomorrow. I mean, the kid has got to be broken. That was, the, I don't know how many yards he ended up getting, but that was the most painful yardage I've ever seen a person just, and he got up every play and went right back to it. He's like, I'm going to keep taking those licks. Those freaking, even when Wilkerson went out, he must have been thinking, oh, maybe it's going to get a little bit better. It did no, not. And then David White, like, destroyed the poor kid. Anyways, that's the reason that we were at third and manageable. It's the reason we were able to convert so many third downs this game is because Gillsley got two painful yards on first and second down. And was keeping the defense honest. Yeah, I mean, he was keeping the defense Gilsley honest. Gillsley was, was the equivalent of a Nerf battering ram going up against a wall that was made of concrete six and a half feet thick. Yeah, I mean, it was... So, uh, Gillsley ended up with... What... 19 carries for 18 oh my God. yards. 24 <laughs> carries for 28 yards. Oh, and a fumble. Uh, and a fumble. He did have a nine-yard run. Now, this significantly ruins Mr. Gillsley's 10-yard per carry average that he carried into this game, uh, which was a fluke initially, but then he, like, ran for 90 yards and still was had a 10-yard average. But, uh, yeah, this is going to bring it back down to... Uh, I, I also worry about our ability to maintain the number one rushing team in the league. Because I think that we're over 100 as a team, but um, yeah, we're oh, we at 122 will. as no, a, we're, no we're, 115 as a team. We're we're way above everybody else. Cass, coming to you now. You're the bat blue MVP of today's game. So we've been saying players have to make plays, and this player, when called upon, was a hundred percent on execution today, and that would be EJ Manuel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> EJ, I love Woo! you, EJ. Oh, he was so happy. He, he gets it just Woo! for pure entertainment that was in incredible. a football game. Dude, there's like nine people in the bar here today, and we were all going nuts. Oh my God, I was laughing. Good for that guy. He he had a smile on his face. He came in there. He was jumping on the sidelines like he had scored a touchdown. And hey, it was a it was a key 
play. We needed that offside. He went in there and he executed. So EJ, you're my Labatt Blue player of the game, and I want to see you in a Bills uniform on the sidelines next year. Really? Wow, strong words. Wow. Well, well, to that point, so a couple honorable mentions here. Um, let's talk. Uh, Sammy got his thousand yards. Fell short of ten touchdowns this year, but came close to 1,100 yards. His the second half of the season that he has put up has been sick. He has he had like 300 yards through like seven games this year, and he's gotten 800 or whatever it has been over the last like nine games. I mean his. He has finished this season strong and due in no small measure to our boy Tyrod Taylor. And unless we pull off some crazy offseason coup where we draft a guy who comes in and just lights up all of Western New York and sets St. John Fisher on fire with, with, with his passes and his understanding of the playbook and everything else, Tyrod is going into 2016 the starter and the momentum he has with Sammy Watkins is awesome. Bills fans everywhere should be thrilled about it. And again, Tyrod Taylor can do a lot with his legs, can do a lot with his arm, can do a lot with his brain. He showed some poise, some moxie, yeah, some understanding today, game. converted some huge third downs late in the game. But the big takeaway was when he grabbed Jordan Mills by the face mask and he gave him the hard point. <laughs> you get back to that huddle, fat ass. He is he is growing into a leadership role on this team, and we talked about it five or six week, weeks ago. There's a dearth of leaders on this team. There's no one locker room voice that stands out. Tyrod Taylor, 2016, this is his team. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Hughes, Tyrod Taylor, they're taking over this team. And, man, Jerry Hughes has gotten better. Yeah, like I don't hey, care if his no numbers are there. No false starts or uh, yeah. today. No encouragement. I mean, you look. You know, we went into a little bit of the those of you fans that are, were around for the Super Bowl years or the year before it. You know, we'll appreciate. You know that we were a little bit of the bickering Bills toward. You know, in the last week or two. Um, you know, players talking shit. By the end of this week, it seemed like everyone was just sick and tired of us being thought of as this. You know, bickering. We can't get it together, team. And they wanted to come together with one cause, and that was to win for their coach. Um, I don't know what the fuck Rex Ryan said to this team, but that defense came together, and they did not fall apart when things were not going well. And that defense today was so outmatched with Decker and Marshall, so the Jets got the plays that we knew they were going to get. They got the points that they should have gotten, and that any Bills fan with two brain cells to rub together could have told you before this game they were going to get. But the defense came up big throughout the rest of the game, yep. held them in check. This is a Jets offense that has been on fire lately. This is a quarterback who has now set franchise records for the Jets and Fitzpatrick. Brandon Marshall set franchise records today. He's having a career season. Yeah, the combination this, of Decker this and... This defense, which was down to guys who didn't even make the practice squad coming out of training camp, put up one hell of an effort and... I really hope that this is a giant stick in the eye for everybody who thinks we should get rid of our head coach and start all over again. Because what we saw today was players playing for the coach, playing well and executing. Yeah, and I think that for the most part, it's also very important that we got this win. So I know it sucks, you know, whatever we fall down in the draft, but if we lost this game, 
and everyone said, "Oh, they're not. They couldn't even play for their coach to beat his old team. They couldn't even knock the uh, Jets out of the, the playoffs, even though Pittsburgh won. You know, that would have been the the taste in their mouth going to the off season. Uh, but instead, they say, "Hey, it might have been meaningless by the records, by you know, for what it's going to do to our 2015 season. But it's not meaningless to us, and it's not meaningless to our coach. So we're going to put together." A game, and we're going to lead, and we're going to stay together as a team. And you know, it's it's funny because the beginning half of this week, all you heard about was the bad things that Mario has said, and occasionally that. But by the end of the week, what were we hearing? We were hearing people talking shit about Mario, right? We were he- hearing people say, "Oh, 94 only cares about himself. We can have five players play for for the price that we're paying for Mario." But what did we do? What did that defense do when Mario made a play? I've never seen the defense rally that hard around anyone. And they all were supportive of him. That is a defense that is coming together. That is a team. That is a team. team. And people want to poo-poo Rex Ryan for being a player's coach and loosey-goosey, anything goes in the locker room. No, 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 no. The opposite. This is what happens. When you let players be accountable for themselves, they grow stronger together. Over time. time. I'm not saying that Rex Ryan is Vince Lombardi incarnate or anything like that, but the man has gotten results in the past. His shit works, and I'm sorry, but if we don't have EJ Manuel against the Jaguars, we don't lay a turd in Philadelphia, and we don't do whatever happened against the Giants, two of those three games go differently for us, and they were damn close to going differently, and today's win puts us in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think overall what you guys are saying is the players showed up today. I mean... Tomorrow, they could all be on a beach in Miami, you know, doing whatever they want for the next six months, and they all could have easily just written this game off, but just see them all show up. I mean, Mario, yeah, he hasn't shown up all year, but the rest of the players showing up and playing, I mean, it's a great sign for 2016. Totally agree. So, uh, we won, so let's get into some ranting. Wait, raving. Oh, yeah, what am I talking about? Raving, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the eighth mark in the W column for the Buffalo Bills in 2015, which means it's the eighth opportunity to rave for the Bills and Beers crew, not counting last week's game against the Cowboys. Cass, you've been grinning from ear to ear for the last two and a half hours. Now's your chance to rave about this team, which insofar is undefeated in the year 2016. So I really don't know what I was going to rave about. I, I think what I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna rave about is I'm gonna take this win until September. You know, every week, every, every after every Sunday, you're like, we lose, you're like, shit, I have to go to work tomorrow, the bills lost, everything sucks. But you know what? Now every Monday, between now and opening weekend, the bills are coming off of a victory. It's a victory Monday. It's a victory Monday. Hell so yeah. I'm going to take that for the next, what, 28-odd Mondays. Oh, more than that. I don't know, 36, I don't know. How That's many? about it. How many ever mod Mondays? But I'm going to take this, I'm going to say, you know what? The bills won. This Monday's going to be great. I like that. Victory Monday, starting tomorrow. All right, so I am actually going <laughs> to rave about something that we just touched on last segment. And that is the metamorphosis, I th- which I think I'm starting to see in this team. So, you know, 
when you're a player's coach like Rex Ryan and you just kind of let the players talk, he said, in the, God, in his first press conference when we were talking about IKM and M. Kampali or whatever, or we were talking about everyone else, when McCoy was talking about Chip Kelly, which, by the way, by Chip Kelly, um, but he was saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to muzzle my players. I'm going to let them do whatever they want to. When things don't work well, when you give the inmates the keys to the asylum, stuff starts to fall apart when things don't work well. But what did it do? It made Aaron Williams say, hey, we need a leader on this team. It made Daryl Talley get in front of a microphone and say, God, this team needs leaders. You know, it made um, Tyrod Taylor and Jerry Hughes talk to each other and what? say, let's start. Sammy, Sammy. And Sammy, yeah, yeah. And absolutely. Sammy get up and say, we need to start leading this team. Yeah, Sammy, so who do Sammy you have has sounded now? a lot different lately. Yeah, who do you have guy. now? You have Tyrod, Sammy. You're going to have McCoy. He's going to be like the Thurman, who's just that damn talented that he's going to be a part of the leadership of the team. Um, you're going to have Jerry Hughes. You may even have Manny Lawson. And you're going to have Aaron Williams. If that's not a core leadership group, I don't know what is. So sometimes you have to go through the dark to get to the light. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where we are. I don't know. Maybe it was just one win, and last week was a sloppy win. This week was not a sloppy win. This was a solid, hard-fought, ground-and-pound type of win against a playoff team, a team that has 10 wins, and we shut them down, and we ruined their hopes. I guarantee you they were playing with everything they had. Absolutely. And we shut them down. How many times have we been on the the, the wrong end of that? Yep. Uh, so, look, this team stood up. I think that there's, there's, a, there's some winds of change, uh, and continuity is going to be a good thing because I think we finally have some players in the locker room that people will look up to, and people will say, hey, that's my boss. That's my, you know, a player's coach requires player leaders, and I think we just found them. Love it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that, and I'm gonna run with it in my rave. My rave is about Doug Whaley, and here's what we can look forward to. Terry and Kim Pagula submit a letter to anybody who's out there saying, "Hey, Rex and Doug, they're our guys. They're gonna be back next year." Doug gets on the radio later in the week and says, you know, last offseason we focused on the offense. This offseason we're going after defense. Well, any Bills fan who wants to be even the slightest bit objective say, can say that going after the offseason, Jesus, talk, Weeborg, going after the offense in the offseason in 2015, mission accomplished. They've got pieces in place now for a long time. Now it's time to go see the defense. We're getting rid of Mario Williams. At least we were told that's what's happening. He's a malcontent. He's no good. He doesn't try, and he's bringing down the locker room with him. We've got guys coming out of the woodwork to be leaders, and now we're going to have playmakers come in, and they're going to be coming into a locker room where a tone is set. Suge, to your point, there's going to be a standard now. There's going to be players out there who hold guys on the defensive side of the ball accountable. Manny Lawson, Aaron Williams, Jerry Hughes. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter at what level this this guys these new guys come in and play on this defense. We're gonna get linebackers. We're gonna get safeties. We're probably gonna get a couple guys to play up front. All of them are gonna come into a team that knows what they're all about, knows that their coach is in charge, and know that they hold each other accountable. And God damn it, we're gonna have the best motherfucking defense in the league next year. All thanks to Doug Whaley because that guy knows how to do his job and he does it damn well. And you know what? We're going to have an off-season where we aren't getting a new coaching staff. Absolutely. This, I mean, or a new quarterback. Or a new quarterback. I mean, this is gonna, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I mean, look, 
you walk into that locker room, especially on the defense, and you say, oh, you're going to act like you're hot shit, like you're not accountable, you're not going to, they're going to say, that, you know, someone's going to turn to him and be like, you know what? We got the rid of fucking Mario Williams. Yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? Yep. You think That's if what Mar- Sammy said. If Mario Williams said, didn't want to be part ass. of this team, we said cut his ass, okay? And hopefully that happens. Um, but here's the thing. We actually have a quarterback that doesn't scare us. You know, and we saw it today. It actually puts us at ease. We would yeah. much rather have Tyrod Taylor throw under 200 yards than have Ryan Fitzpatrick fuck up. Like, it's just it's just the way that it is. I mean, we have a, a quarterback, maybe not of the future, but of the near future. We have him. Um, you know, and, and we have a defense that's maybe coming together. You know, I think that we pick up a linebacker. Uh, well, we, I'm going to stop just vamping because Lars's computer just told us he has low battery. So our season is, is running out on, on the end. Our computer's on low battery. Run fumes! Our beers are empty. Our beers, our beers are almost empty. empty. We are going to miss you, listeners. All right, let's get into wild card. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card! <laughs> wild card! Wow. Wow. wow, it's 2016 now. <laughs> well, this is Bills and Beers, and while we do talk about the Buffalo Bills, we do so drinking beer, and Sue Jua with the classic Labatt. Went I, back to it, baby. I got whatever IPAs on tap. It's nice, Cass. I got a Dortmunder Gold out of Cleveland, Ohio. Very nice. Great Lakes Brewery. Uh, we recommend all of them. Uh, if you're under 21, ask your parents first. Okay, so another playoffs begin next week and the Bills will not be a part of it. Again. Again. There's rooting interest galore for Bills fans. But today we're more concerned with the rooting interest of Bills players. So Cass, as you think about it, as you think about a Bills player, who's that Bills player rooting for in the final 12 teams and why? So, um, I'm going to choose Tyrod Taylor. And I think Tyrod Taylor's actually going to be rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh? And that is because from his days of playing backup with the Ravens, seeing uh, Andy Dalton never be able to get a playoff victory coming out of Cincinnati, I think he's throwing his uh, hat in the ring and saying, Andy, I hope you get one. It would mean a good sign for him of being able to not have any issues when he makes the playoffs next year. I'm talking about Tyrod Taylor when he makes the playoffs next year in the Buffalo Bills uniform. Because he will. Because it's going to happen. Um... But I think he's going to throw it in there and say, come on, Bengals, you guys you guys need to pull this one out. Um, okay, I like that. And it's also because look at Andy Dalton's contract because that's probably what we're going to have to pay Tyrod Taylor someday. Yeah, true, very true. So I'll, I'll when, go. After he has his Super Bowl victory right. next and, year. And if, I, if I'm rooting for, if I'm anybody, I'm Mario Williams, and I'm rooting for the Carolina Panthers to lose – because that means they're going to go out for a big free agent acquisition and he would fit in great on their defense because Lord knows he's taken his last step, his last snap in Buffalo. I kept it short and sweet. Suge? All right, I'm going for um, the former player approach. We have 5% left on the battery. uh, And I'm going to say that Bills players are going to root for former Bills players. So I think that Aaron Williams was so close with uh, Fred Jackson that he's going to be rooting for the Seattle Seahawks to make a run for it. And then I think of the grandfather of our defense, Kyle Williams, is going to look back on his days playing with Arthur Motes 
who got a fumble recovery today for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And because it's so relevant, because we knocked out the Jets to let the Steelers in, Kyle Williams is going to be rooting all the way for the Pittsburgh Steelers in a reincarnation of the old Iron Curtain. Is it somewhat poetic that the Steelers knocked us out so the Jets could get in, and now we knocked the Jets out so the Steelers could get in? It'd be nice if one of these years we were the beneficiaries sure. of this, right? I would agree. And I, I just have to go on record of my statement earlier today that this year was not the Bills years because there was a curse on the Bills because anybody with the last name Williams this year had a terrible year. True. So... This Which is half year, of our team. 2016 also, is a year I would like I would like to see the historical data on teams that changed coaching staffs and quarterbacks who then went on to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, 0%. I also want to tell you, going back to my I can't stand dumb Bills fans, I just wanted to point out that as of at least a couple weeks ago, there's a stat that me and Lars were throwing around about everyone complaining about this undisciplined team and how we have all these penalties and we they're second in the league in penalties. Guess who which team was second in the league in penalties under the disciplined era of Doug Marone? The Buffalo Bills. Yep. So stop it. <laughs> Alright, well then we still won. It's gonna be a wonderful offseason. Wanna thank all of our amazing fans and listeners for being a part part of us, a part of our crew all year long. Thank you for your comments on Twitter. Thank you for arguing with Lars on Stadium Wall and uh, and, uh, and 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 Facebook and everywhere else. Um, thank you to our uh, media for not blocking Lars for all of his rants against you. Uh, but most of all, uh, thank you all for listening. We are hoping to um, spiff up our format next year with some new recording equipment. As long as I can figure out how to use it, probably not. It's probably going to sound exactly like this. But... For Lars, Cassie, Bill Belcher, and the long lost and now off the market Jam and Jeff Day, this is Bills and Beers. We love ya. Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.